this is Tasha McNerney. I am here with another edition of the Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds Podcast, and we are actually coming to you live from VMX down in Orlando, Florida. Yes, while it's 18 degrees at home, I am sitting poolside. Uh, not only am I sitting poolside, but very excitingly, I am sitting with one of the gurus when it comes to feline anesthesia and pain management. And I'm talking about Tammy Grubb. Dr. Grubb is a professor of anesthesia and analgesia at Washington State University. And she's going to be joining us today talking about cats and kind of their specific nuances when it comes to some certain drug classes. So let's get into it with Dr. Tammy Grubb. Hey, Tammy, thanks so much for being here on the podcast. Thanks, Tasha. Great to be here. I love anesthesia nerds. Yay. And any chance to talk about cats and pain and anesthesia. So thank you for this opportunity. Yes, thank you. And for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Dr. Grubb was one of our featured speakers at this uh, last year's Veterinary Anesthesia Nerd Symposium in Las Vegas, where she absolutely killed it uh, at talking about anesthesia and pain management. And she did do some lectures on cats, which... You know, I wanted to have her on to kind of talk about some things that I'm hearing and maybe you guys are hearing clinically of cats with certain drugs. And what we're going to talk about today is specifically cats and ketamine and then cats and NSAIDs. So first, Dr. Grubb, what I want to get your opinion on is how do you feel about cats and ketamine? Is ketamine really killing our cats, as the internet says? Um, and when do you use ketamine? When do you stay away from it? You know, give us your take on ketamine and cats. I am so glad you asked, Tasha. I love ketamine and cats. There is so much misinformation on the internet, and I think some of it might have come from really old dosages because I have to admit, back when I graduated from vet school, we used to use one cc of ketamine per cat. Ooh. Yeah, so okay. like now the dose is 0.1 to 0.2, right? Or at least 0.1 to 0.2 mils per like 10-pound cat. So the, the dose was wrong. And also back then, cats had a higher incidence of cardiac disease because we weren't feeding them right. And so was ketamine dangerous to those cats? Maybe. But the point is now we know the dose, uh, we know the adverse effects, and I think ketamine is great in cats. Total misinformation on the internet, and especially when it comes to certain breeds of cats, like Savannah cats are more sensitive to ketamine. Oh, yes. I hear yeah. it all the time. You yeah. know, yeah, I have a Bengal. It can't have ketamine. Right. Is there any validity to this? There is no validity to that at all. The If you ask me about when I might not use it, because ketamine causes increased sympathetic nervous system output, if a cat really did have severe cardiac disease, maybe that increase in rate or contractility could could exacerbate the disease. Also, other sympathetically driven diseases, like sometimes the seizures, now not all of them, and there's actually some evidence that ketamine can suppress seizures. But until we know more, maybe some of those more severe sympathetically driven um, adverse effects, ketamine might um, exacerbate those. But honestly, that's what less than 1% of our patients really that we might even want to use ketamine in. All the other cats, healthy cats, moderate illness cats, is a fantastic drug. And one of the things that I like about it the best is that there's three dosage levels that can get you three different things. So we have the higher end dosage that provides anesthesia. So we're knocking these cats out and we could do an IM or IV and full anesthesia. We can use a lower dose and get what we call just a ketamine stun where it's more a part of the, the sedation protocol. And so, for instance, we might use that combination called Kitty Magic with mm -hmm. dexmedetomidine, dextomotor, and ketamine and an opioid, and the high dose would be anesthesia. The lower dose that we sometimes use, like just 0.1 mils per, per 
ten pound cat. That kind of gives us just a dissociative state in that cat, and so they're not completely out, but they're very manageable. And so we often use that level for like maybe grooming a fractious cat that won't tolerate it but doesn't really need anesthesia. Then an even lower dose than that is the dose that we use for constant rate infusion, where ketamine actually has a huge role in pain management. And at that sub-anesthetic dose, it's particularly effective for controlling neuropathic pain, which of course is very noxious pain. And especially that low dose is safe. So if people are afraid of ketamine, they have misinformation. If they're afraid of a ketamine CRI, they really haven't done their homework because that dose is very safe. Yeah, so I used to work in uh, dentistry practice, and I know when we were doing cats with full mouth extractions, uh, ketamine CRI was a lifesaver. Analgesic, max bearing, and of course since the, the adverse effects of sedatives and anesthetics is primarily dose dependent, anytime we can decrease that dose, that improves anesthetic safety. So it's good pain management, good for anesthetic safety. So really any patient is a candidate for ketamine, but you really hit on a patient that I think most people don't think about, and that's dentistry patients. So we might think about ketamine, especially in trauma patients, orthopedic surgery, any time pain gets worse, so more much to severe, ketamine becomes more critical, because that's when neuropathic pain is more likely to develop, and people forget how painful dentistry is, but you just think about it. If you have a toothache, if we have a toothache, we go running to the dentist, like yeah. not tolerate it, and yet our patients often present with really painful disease, lots of inflammation. It's been there for months, maybe years. Yeah. So that long-term high-level pain, that is, that, all, that I almost said always, but maybe almost always mm -hmm. sets up neuropathic pain. So that was a great example that you gave. Yeah, well, I think uh, one of the things when I'm lecturing or when I go into a practice, especially if they're doing a lot of dentistry, you know, I kind of ask them right off the bat, are you guys doing any orthopedic procedures? And they almost always, oh, no, we're a general practice. We're not doing orthopedic procedures. But when we really start talking about extracting teeth, cutting through bone, you know, sectioning out these teeth, burring away bone with our dental instruments, yeah, it can be in a, you know, an orthopedic procedure. We have different levels of pain. So for us, we'd love to utilize a ketamine CRI for those patients in particular. Now, segueing to the other group now away from ketamine, because you did mention, you know, especially with dentistry patients, they also have a lot of inflammation. So that's where non-steroidal anti-inflammatories are really gonna come into play and they're so important. But again, that's another drug class where people are really scared to use them in cats. I think it came with you know that black box warning that came along with meloxicam and then they were scared with other NSAIDs. So let's talk NSAIDs for a second. Give us your hot take. What NSAIDs are you loving? What NSAIDs should we be careful with? all of the NSAID information. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And another area where there's so much information on the internet, and you're right, there's several sources of it, and the black box warning on meloxicam that it could cause renal disease, and it can, but the travesty is the label dose, the dose that's on that bottle is 0.3 milligrams per kilogram. I kid you not, that's how high it is. Mm -hmm. When we know that the label dose in countries where that drug is approved for chronic pain is like 0.05 to 0.1, like nowhere close to 0.3 and reports of even using it at 0.01 to 0.03. So the dose is too high. Then there is Ontuor or Abinacoxib, and the dose is right on that. So the label dose is a very safe dose. That drug is also approved for chronic pain in cats outside the U.S., mm -hmm. so in Europe and the U.K. And really, I... I 
I believe in, in reading their data and using their data to say they've done all the studies, these two drugs are safe when the dose is right for chronic pain in cats, and I'm very comfortable using either one of those NSAIDs in cats. The problem is an owner's read on the internet, Dr. Google mm -hmm. says NSAIDs kill cats, and then the owner comes in and says, you want to put my cat on an NSAID? You're killing my cat. And I say, yeah, I went to vet school to kill your cat. And it's so <laughs> frustrating that we're having a hard time getting the right information out there because you, you really hit it. They're anti-inflammatories, and pain starts with inflammation. Mm -hmm. And if we can control the inflammation, then we can control the overall pain process and even decrease the likelihood of neuropathic pain. So anti-inflammatories are so powerful, and cats deserve anti-inflammatories. So we're just trying to get the misinformation pushed aside and get clients to really see, cat owners, to see the, the right data. Yeah. So let's say we have a cat coming into our practice. They're going to be maybe a full mouth extractions case. Let's say they don't have any concurrent kidney disease and we want to start them on an NSAID. When is the best time window to start a cat on an NSAID if we have just done multiple extractions? You know, uh, um, is it within a certain number of hours? Should we wait 24 hours? Do we want to get it in before that? Um, how fast does the inflammation start and how fast do we want to be controlling it? Uh, that that timing is so important because you're absolutely right. It's not just about the drug class. It's about the timing. And honestly, because that cat came in with inflammation, I would prefer, if it's an option, to start the cat on an anti-inflammatory a few days before the dental and knock some of that inflammation down and decrease the responsiveness of the pain pathway, again, hopefully preventing neuropathic pain. If we don't give it ahead of time, and I understand some people are concerned about giving NSAIDs preemptively, fine. We know they work better preemptively, but because they're anti-prostaglandin, if that cat happens to get really hypotensive during anesthesia, organs that can control their own blood flow, like the kidney, do that by prostaglandin-mediated vasodilation. So if we've blocked that prostaglandin effect, then yes, there could be some damage. The real answer is do good anesthesia and monitor, and that's unlikely to happen. But okay, if they choose to give it post-op, fine, but then as soon as possible. As so, soon as possible. As we don't want to wait on the NSAIDs. Don't wait on the NSAIDs. In fact, my recommendation is to have an injectable NSAID in your practice so that you can, as soon as you turn off that vaporizer and you're comfortable that the patient's recovering, normally and the blood pressure is normal, give the injectable inside so the cat may not be awake enough to swallow. So give the injectable. Um, it's a good question because I know a lot of people that do that, they don't give an NSAID perioperatively. They send the inset home for the owners to start yes. the next day. What a travesty. All that good pain management that we did intraoperatively, the opioids, the ketamine CRIs, it's worn off. Mm -hmm. And now the inflammation's taken over. Exactly. And so now we start over, really. I mean, we don't because we didn't send enough. We always went home with an NSAID, and that's probably not enough with the level of pain that that cat's now experiencing because we didn't stay on top of it. So always start as soon as possible. Okay, excellent. So just to kind of um, quick, because I uh, kind of alluded to this at the beginning of the podcast, but I want to give you an opportunity to let people know um, what you're here at VMX, what you're talking about, what other uh, conferences will you be at this year, and where can people find you to get that information? Oh, that's really exciting. So here, one of my favorite topics is local blocks. The local anesthetics are so underutilized and, again, a really powerful drug class. 
and also getting to talk about the, the intertwine between pain and fear and anxiety. Of course, pain causes fear, but fear can make pain worse. So getting people to see that in the anxious patients that are also painful, we have to treat both to really control that. And also getting to talk about opening up your toolbox. Don't get stuck on one drug class. There's a lot more to life than opioids. So oh, yeah. utilizing, like we've been talking, ketamine and NSAIDs and really being a little bit more creative with pain management. So um, also involved with Fear Free here and the International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management. That's who's sponsoring the talks. Excellent. Shameless plug for the veterinary, uh, the IVAPM. If you guys are not members of IVAPM yet or if you haven't checked out the IVAPM, uh, highly recommend uh, going and checking them out. They have a fantastic amount of resources as far as anesthesia, uh, well, really pain management goes. Sorry, uh, I'm on my anesthesia kick here. <laughs> Sitting with uh, one of the best anesthesiologists. So um, where, what conference will you be at in the future for 2020? So if somebody didn't catch you here at VMX, what are you doing next? Well, you know, I'm really lucky. And by the way, it's IVAPM.org. And there's two board members sitting here, both Tasha and me, so we had to plug. <laughs> um, I get to be at WVC this year as well. And we're launching, this is somewhat analgesia, but more anesthesia, the new 2020 AHA guidelines. So for oh. anesthesia, we get to talk about those there. Um, also some more pain management. The, I speak for a group called International Veterinary Seminars, so doing a lot of pain management talks for them. So IVS.org for a plug if you, if you get a chance or small group meetings, and so we get to talk a lot of pain management. Yeah, so that's, fantastic. I think that's, that's most of them first. All right, cool. You're really busy. Um, but again, you're in such, you're in a high demand. Uh, you are a fantastic speaker. Uh, I will say that you got amazing reviews at Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds, and we definitely hope to not only have you on the podcast again, but have you speak for us again and be one of our uh, featured instructors. And thank you so much for spreading really good information out there about the importance of pain management, especially in our feline friends when some clinicians might be scared of some drug classes. Thanks, Bag. Really appreciate the opportunity. You guys do great work at Anesthesia Nerds, and I wouldn't have a voice if you weren't here recording me, so really appreciate the chance to, to try to bust some myths about ketamine and NSAIDs in cats. Please, if you're out there treating cats, use both. Just use the right dose. Thanks so much, Tammy, and thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week with some more fun anesthesia information. Have a great week.